So, how many of you guys, uh, you guys relate to all six of those tasks on your board? Anybody want to be truthful and say, all right, that's me right there? Uh, anybody want to take off their church uh, sticker and just say, all right, South, South Winds? Wait, I, I don't go South Winds. I, I know for some of you guys, as far as uh, even just, uh, I'd be like commuting, figuring out how do I get to work faster on some of those things. Well, hey, my name is Chris Martinez. I am the small groups pastor uh, here at Southwinds. Uh, so if you enjoy today's message, make sure you tell Pastor Mike that. If not, tell him Pastor Chris Thielens preached this weekend um, and just uh, and kind of go from there. He's our children's pastor. We're always competing for who gets to be called Chris. Uh, and so um, especially in the office, like, hey, Chris, we're both like, hey, yeah. And so it's always interesting. So anyways, uh, well, happy, pre happy New Year's Eve. I hope you guys are ready to go. First service, I took a quick survey, and uh, they are all the New York New Year group. Uh, they are ready for the 9 o'clock. Anybody going to be the midnight group tonight? Any midnighters right here? All right. First of all, I commend you for coming to church first, because now you're going, man, should I sleep in? You kind of slept in a little bit, and now you're ready uh, to go and experience a great, happy New Year's. Hope you guys have a safe place to go. If you need a place to go, go to Matt Master's house. I'll just put it out there uh, and see what happens. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, he, he's like, what? He just invited everybody to my house. Um, but that's okay. Just talk to him afterwards. Party there. He's, he's, he has a great one. So he kept me up till midnight last year, and I had to preach New Year's Day here on Sunday. Uh, I am blessed to be able to have, I guess I'm the New Year's pastor uh, and, and getting challenged. So let's go ahead and pray, and then we're going to go ahead and get started. Father God, um, I consider it an absolute pleasure, Lord, to be able to uh, bring your word this morning. And God, we just pray uh, that as we get started here today, Lord, we pray that you would just meet us here. Uh, God, we pray, Lord, that whatever 2017 looked like, that God, that we would know, Lord, that it is in the past, and that God, that you have something for us in the future, and that God, that you've not promised us tomorrow, but God, today, we pray that you would help us just make the most out of it. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, that we get to celebrate um, the end of, a new, of, end of a year and the beginning of another. And so God, we just lift this up to you now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I don't know about you, but sometimes as I look at those lists, uh, I definitely, you know, uh, Pastor Mike had us make a list for as a staff and kind of a pastors of what were some of the things that we wanted to accomplish. And man, I was pretty excited. I'm like, yeah, this year I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to visit 30 small groups and I'm going to be able to visit X amount of people and do lunch with X amount of people. And man, I looked back and I was just like, wow, I didn't realize that I still had kids, you know, and they had sports and they were, you know, it was like springtime season, like where'd my weekends go? And just like, it was, it was pretty incredible when those things go. So I definitely related to kind of crossing off those things. Um, and again, I don't know about that you're the, if you're the New Year's uh, resolution kind of checklist person, uh, but I think that sometimes we can often kind of get to that point where we, where we kind of set up and we, we do slides like, what do I need to do? Instead of actually trying to kind of go to what the end of that video showed, which is kind of like, what do I need to actually give up, right? And so what we're going to do here this morning is uh, we're going to be starting a two-week uh, series called Baby Steps, uh, because sometimes what happens in our lives is that we think that we know we, there are some things that we have been challenged in our lives, and we can kind of, kind of swing the pendulum all the way over on this side, and we're like, oh, I got to do this, 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 and this, and then often by like, January 2nd, and you're like, oh, okay, I'm just going to go back to some normal stuff. This is really hard. Uh, you know, and, you know I, we were just actually, I forgot who I was talking to this weekend. They're like, man, I do not look forward to seeing how packed the gym is going to be for the next month before it goes back to normal again on February, right? And so, um, but we're going to do an exercise, not an exercise like working out exercise uh, this morning, 
because we're going to be talking a little bit about the explosion of the church and how the church really began to grow. Uh, but it first started with us. And when I, when I talk about the church, I want you guys to think of this word. When you hear the word church, I want you to think of the word me. So when I say church, you guys say me. Let's, say, let's try a little bit better. Actually, this side, last service, this one was louder. This service, this one's a little bit louder. Let's try this one more time. Church? Me. All right. That was even better now. So what we're going to do is when we're going through this message, is when we reference the word church, I want you to instantly think of the word me. And so what happens is that in this exercise, what I want to do is I want us to, I'm going to read a passage, and that's out of Luke chapter 6, verse 45, and it's a simple passage, but the words are not simple by any means. Because what happens is, is that Jesus was instructing his disciples about, he's kind of giving them a little bit of a landscaping lesson, but he was talking about their lives. And he was talking about that a good tree cannot produce bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. And then he tells them this, and what we're going to do afterwards is we're going to just simply take a moment, an awkward pause to finish out this new year in silence for 30 seconds, maybe for 30 minutes, and then we're going to go home. No. For 30 seconds. But the scripture is this, out of Luke chapter 6, verse 45. He continued and he said, the good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. Now, I don't know about you, but there's times in my life where there are seasons where I feel like I have a disconnection with God. And I often go back to, why did I say that? Or why do I feel that? Or why did I do that? And it's often because there's moments where I didn't take the moment to say, God, what is actually overflowing from me? And I go, that's not me. When in fact, whatever I've been putting in is actually just coming out. And so before the explosion of the church, God had everyone kind of put themselves in a check before the Holy Spirit. And we're going to read Acts chapter 2, verses 41 through 47 here in a moment. But what I want us to do is before we start talking about how the church can explode, I want us to first look at how can God explode in my life into amazing, do, to do amazing things. So let's go ahead and pause for about 30 seconds and just simply ask God, what are the things that have been coming out of my heart and out of my mouth and out of my life? And what are the, some of those things that I just need to give up this morning as we start learning about what God needs us to do to take steps to grow together as a church? So let's pray and spend 30 seconds in silence. Father, whatever you have uh, been revealing to us just in these short few seconds, Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would take it to heart. And God, we submit them to you, Lord, uh, because we know that in all reality, Lord, it is about you doing the life changing and not about us. And so, God, may you continue to work in us and through us, Lord, as we continue to discover what it is that you desire for the church to do as we continue to seek you. 
It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Now, I don't know about you, but standing 30 seconds is actually really awkward, isn't it, sometimes? How many of you guys just enjoy just a moment of silence? Right now, the kids are in, checked in in children's, right? And, uh, but, you know, one of those moments that God can just do a ton sometimes in 30 seconds when you reflect on a scripture and you just go, this is what's coming out, and, and what do I need to give up? Well, I've been here on, in March. It'll be two years that I've come on staff here as a small groups pastor. And one of the things that when I was going through the interview process was that I heard uh, this process that the church was getting ready to go into this spiritual initiative. And the spiritual initi- initiative was going to be referred to as next gen because the heart and the desire of not only Pastor Mike, but we really feel what God's going to be doing and uh, using South Winds to do is to continue to reach whatever that next generation is going to look like. And I know that sometimes if you follow different things on social media, you can hear like, you, you hear wisecracks about what the next generation is doing, but the reality is, is that whatever that next generation is, is that God's saying you, as a church, need to meet them where they're at, and you need to love them and prepare to reach them. And so one of the things, through, there's three kind of focuses during this next gen uh, spiritual initiative that we really are going to start really seeing come alive, I really believe, in this next coming year, was one of the, one of the kind of the, th- the main points was that we needed to basically grow our campus. And here's something really cool, is that uh, you guys are going to begin to start seeing some of those things happen in this next year. Actually, even next week, God's going to be doing some cool stuff because they're going to start the construction uh, in that new building. And it's going to be pretty awesome. And as God's not just about the building, but it's about the people they're about to fill that building, amen? The next thing is that in that next-gen spiritual initiative was about talking about investing and investing in our future. And I don't know about you, but when I look at my own kids and I, I, and I think about investing in their future, uh, sometimes it, it's exciting. There's other times as I'm teaching my daughter how to drive and investing in that, it's absolutely like I need to like figure out how to deal with my heart as she's driving because I'm like holding on, like I'm my, my grip on the little handles are getting so much tighter as I'm getting her to drive on the freeway here. Uh, it makes me actually want to like move to Montana just to teach her how to drive down roads and then come in here and come back to San Francisco. All right, it's all yours. Drive the Altamont. Good luck, you know, and figure out how that happens. And the other side is, is that we're also talking about reaching our region. And the way that we're trying to do that is really the way that God began to do that. And we're going to read that here in a moment. was really how, the, how God birthed the church. And we're trying to reach our region by, by expanding our small groups. And that's where they said, hey, Chris, we're going to give that to you. No, that, that together as a church, the desire is to start 100 small groups, which is going to reach at least 1,000 adults in small groups all over the cities, from Mountain House to Tracy to Lathrop to Manteca, because what's happening is that when you have a group of Christ followers, an authentic group of Christ followers inside a community, what you're going to see is you're going to be a community that's going, there's something different about the group that comes in there. When I talk to my neighbors and they're like, man, you have a lot of people come to your house on Monday nights. I go, yeah, that's my small group. And they're like, yeah, they're pretty awesome. You know, I talked to them along the way. And so they're really courteous as far as uh, when I'm, I'm dialoguing with them. And they're like, hey, I'm always inviting them to say, hey, we have lots of food. Come on and participate. They're like, oh, I'll get there. You know, so I'm praying for them to still be able to do that. But what's happening is, is that as we're talking about the explosion of the church, what we start realizing is it takes steps. But one of the things that we're going to do is before we kind of talk about the explosion side, we need to actually, I wanted us to actually hear about how has God used Southwinds in the past? 
And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite Aria Esperson up here, and what she's going to do is she's going to give her testimony about how God has used her and Southwinds and, and the ministries here at Southwinds uh, and seeing what God has done through her as we start reflecting about what God's going to do here in the future. So with that, let's go ahead and give a huge round of applause to Aria here. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. I was born in San Francisco, and at the age of eight, my mother and father got divorced, forcing me to move with my mother and siblings to Puerto Rico. There I was in an all-Spanish Catholic school, and let me tell you, it was a culture shock. My home life was insane. We didn't know it then, and it was hush-hush for many years that my mother suffered from mental illness. Living at home with my mom, I became a good codependent and grew up being the parent instead of the child. Funny, but I thought back then I had this incredible power to control her feelings and I could actually make her happy, sad, or angry. I learned how to walk on eggshells for many years enduring abuse. I had lost my identity completely. As a teenager, I was ignored and no one seemed to care about my home life. In high school, I turned to anything I could find to get away from me and the low self-esteem I felt. This was my insanity for many years to come. When I was 20, I was given an airline ticket to California, and here I was, again in a strange place. In 1992, I showed up at a recovery program because I was at my lowest. Not one of losing material things, but one of losing myself. I had no spiritual foundation and believed in all paths leading to God. I had both my feet in the world, and my pride and low self-esteem were killing me. A year later, I met my boyfriend in recovery, who later became my husband. I had married my mother. My life became busy with marriage, children, and work. Throughout this time, I was living in an abusive relationship that I thought I could fix. I thought I could wait it out just to do the right thing, at least according to society. I lived walking on eggshells. I had stopped drinking but never worked on my core issues, my pride, and my codependency. My first experience with church since my childhood was in 2001 after my daughter was born. I enrolled my three-year-old son in preschool at the Three Crosses in Castro Valley. I noticed how much he would talk about Jesus and how he loved him. We moved to Tracy in 2003. Right away, I felt something was missing, so I went looking for a church. This wasn't an easy task because I still had a lot of hang-ups about church and the God of my understanding. After visiting many and just not feeling it, I walked into the gym of West High School, and there I was met by an elder by the name of Clyde. He greeted me with open arms and gave me a tour of the church. Even though I was scared, I had never felt such enthusiasm and joy from anyone about a church. I know today this was God working through him. If it would have been any other way, I would have run. I definitely wanted that joy and hope that he was speaking about. I went home, and as skeptical as I was, I decided to bring the kids there next Sunday. We have been a part of the Southwinds family ever since. We all got baptized here at Southwinds. I want to say that this was when my journey with Christ truly began. My neighbors were attending Southwinds at the time and invited us to their small group. Even though I tried to hide my big secret, everyone knew. Funny how that works. Plug into a small group and they will bring out the best in you, like it or not. I started to see how healthy relationships were behaving, and I started to feel shame about the abuse that was occurring at home. I wanted it to stop. I was still in denial and too scared to let go. 
I stayed in this vicious cycle, walking on eggshells for many more years. In 2008, I, agree, I agreed to become a part of a new ministry here at Southwinds. This ministry is called Celebrate Recovery. Not for me, but for my husband. I really thought this was the cure for him. Laugh out loud. I thought this would fix him, but God had other plans to fix me instead. By God's grace, I started a process of recovery that started to bring out truth that I buried for so long. I started to see God's will for me, and the layers of pride and shame started to come off. I always thought that recovery was for everyone else. Soon, I wasn't living behind anyone's shadow or walking on eggshells. Soon, I was reading the Bible every day and finding my identity through Christ, not people or the world. I started to see the insanity. The kids were seeing the insanity. And in 2010, I finally stood up to my codependency and said, no more. My mentors guided me in getting help and counseling. My will was for my ex to seek counseling too, that we would be reunited to do counseling together. Of course, this is not what happened. My will sucks, and I know that. I had to let go completely and let God's will be done. There is a reason for everything, and today, as I look back, I see very clearly. Have you ever wondered why things keep happening again and again as we expect different results? God's grace led me to celebrate recovery, which has played a huge part in my healing. The need to fix has been lifted. The need to hide and escape has been lifted. Today I live to share God's hope and the peace that was given to me through his grace. I have found freedom in Jesus Christ, and I am forever grateful. Thanks for letting me share my story with you. I wish you all much love and a happy new year. Thank you. Thanks, Daria. You know, um, what I'm about to do is I'm going to read Acts chapter 2, and I want us to think about something for a moment, that when we read these numbers that I'm about to read, uh, they are... They are testimonies. It's not just a number. It's, numbers can be exciting when you hear about numbers, but when you actually realize and you kind of downsize it to just one, you hear stories of area. And here's the great part is that there's stories inside here this morning that if God is saying, share your story, share your testimony, because that is how we're about to read how God explodes his church. So let's go ahead and read his word and kind of see what he needs us to do and what were some of those small steps that they took in order to grow the way the church did back in Acts chapter 2. It says in Acts chapter 2 verse 41, it says, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to the number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe, with many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as he had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts and praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily, those who are being saved. Now, what I wanted to do this morning is I wanted to first talk about saying, is this even possible at Southwinds? And I'm sure you've kind of read through the scriptures and you've read this part of the passage in Acts. And you know, Pastor Mike, we're going through the series in, in Acts uh, as we continue in a couple of weeks. But one of the things that I wanted to do is I went back 
and I had access to kind of like the database of Southwinds, and I kind of wanted to see what's kind of like the rolling number that since we transferred over all the names from our old database to this new database, and I said, how many people have come here to Southwinds? And anybody want to take a guess of how many people that was? It's kind of cool. When I looked at the number, was this. It said 9,620 people that are just who filled out the Connect card. That's nothing compared to those. Yeah, that's a huge praise. We can thank God for that. Because here's what's happening. As we thank God for what, who he has brought, we can also think, well, that's not those who have filled out the Connect card, those who have showed up in student ministries, those who have checked in and had just kind of came in or were passing through, that God has used Southwinds to do amazing things and to bring people in who would just love them, including kind of using Celebrate Recovery as that, which I think I just heard correctly, is a decade next month. And that's pretty awesome that God's going to be doing that, that what they have, they've been using uh, Celebrate Recovery. But in that process is this that God is ready to say what next because not only did we hear about the 3000 but we also heard about that the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved which meant that it wasn't about the first explosion but it was about what was happening every single day to continue to welcome people into his church and when we say church what does that mean me so the first step was this the first step was that they devoted themselves they devoted themselves. Well, what does it mean to be devoted? I went in, kind of looked at a whole little dictionary, and here's, here's a few words that came out to about being devoted. It means to be firm. It means to endure. It means to persevere. And here's another one. It means to remain faithful. Why is it that the church, that the people, part of their steps to growth was that they had to be devoted? Well, I want us to kind of put into perspective. If we had all instantaneously had 3,000 people walk in here this morning, your life would be interrupted, right? If 3,000 people were to step into this building right now, one, you would be going, does that mean I have to stand? And not only that, they didn't have hotels. They didn't have cars where they could just go and drive back home. What it meant was 3,000 people were coming and they were giving their lives. Their lives were changing because they had heard about this good news about what God was doing. And now all of a sudden they're saying, I'm in. I want to be a part of this. And what they had to do was that they had to have their lives interrupted and say, hey, why don't you be a part of this? Hey, why don't you come into my home and we're going to read a little bit about what that really looks like because now as life begins to get interrupted, we start realizing that everyone's routines had to have been broken because now they had to welcome this large group of people. And if you can, I want you to write this down because it is super important that we realize that this is part of all of our walks with Jesus. And it's this, is that part of our relationship with Jesus is to welcome the life interruptions. Let me say that one more time, and you're going to hate me after this, and I can't wait. You're like, I can't wait till Pastor Mike gets back up there. But it goes, the idea is that part of our relationship with Jesus is to welcome the life interruptions. Why? Well, if we go into the Old Testament, we just kind of read about Moses, as you have this idea that God called Moses to lead his people out of Egypt. His life was being interrupted. And not only that, he was being placed into positions and saying, I can't even speak 
Why are you going to put me in front of the Pharaoh? Why are you going to be putting me through this? You have other stories where you have Gideon and the judges where you have all these days where God called him out and said, hey, listen, you brave and mighty warrior when he was hiding and trying to stay out of war. And in the New Testament, that you had the disciples being called from being fishermen or tax collectors. And the idea was is that their lives were being interrupted. And the question is, is that do we welcome that? Now, I'm a person that always tries to work myself into comfort. I really do. Like, if you talk to it, like, the way that I feel comfortable is I organize. Like, the garage, right now, my garage is a little bit in chaos. I've got boxes everywhere, and I'm going, oh, my gosh, I just got to fix this thing. Like, it's like if I can just organize my backyard, like, the leaves. Like, here in Tracy, I've never seen so many leaves fall. I mean, it's just crazy that the leaves are kind of just keep on pouring in, and we have a pool, and so it kind of looks like a serpent in the pool sometimes when all the leaves and the wind the wind just keeps on blowing, and what happens is, is that I can't even keep up. And when I start to realize, my wife just kind of looks at me and she's like, stop trying to like fix and make everything perfect. But sometimes there's something inside me that just says, well, that's within my control, and then I start realizing it's out of my control. My wife and I and my family, I say my family, we just recently decided that we were um, going to start fostering. And in those last couple of weeks, we've been blessed with a couple of sets of kids and I'll be honest with you, having young kids, we have the 12-year-old and the 16-year-old, and we have right now some really small ones. And waking up in the middle of the night feeding a baby, that's, oh, that's beautiful interrupted sleep <laughs> that I had. But I'll be honest with you, as we start loving the kids and even loving their families and praying with them and over them, and I start realizing that I'm willing to interrupt my life because this is where God has called us in this season. And I think that there's times when we have to be devoted to the process when he says, listen, are you ready for what I have for you? So the one, they were devoted to the, to the to, they devoted themselves. The second thing they did was that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And what were the apostles teaching at that time? What I want us to do is, is, again, it's another familiar passage. I want you guys to go to Matthew chapter 28. And we're going to read verses 18 through 20 because it may be a passage that you're going, oh, I already know it by heart. It's the Great Commission. But what I want us to do is I want us to read it together because there's an idea that when they devoted themselves to, to the apostles' teaching, this is what they listened to. This is what they had just heard from Jesus when he had died on the cross and was resurrected. And then he stops them and he says, listen here, guys. Now, right now, all authority has been given to me from, uh, from heaven on earth. And I want to read this because this is super key to your walks with Jesus, with walks with me. And he tells them this. He goes, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And what we understand is that when we break down the scriptures and that word go, it's not necessarily, hey, it's not all just go to Africa or go to some other country or go to some other world. It's as you are going, meaning that as you are going to work, as you're going to the grocery store, as you're just kind of walking in your neighborhood, go and make disciples. As you're raising your children, maybe as you're raising somebody else's children, to go and make disciples. 
of all nations. And I love the encouragement that Jesus gives to him because I can just for, for sure just hear them going, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? And then he reminds them, he says, teach them everything that I've commanded you. And they're kind of going through all, probably as you're kind of going through this and going, what else did he teach us? Oh, I remember when we were trying to figure out which law was the most important that what he told, he told us, he summed it up into two things in Matthew 22. And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. And what he was doing is he was quoting from the Old Testament in Deuteronomy, the Shema, and he was trying to tell him, saying, listen, it's important to love me because life is going to interrupt you and you need to recognize that when you are with me, you are walking in eternity already. It is not when we die that we go to eternity, that we are spending eternity right now with him, meaning that no matter what you're gonna go through, I'm with you. And that's what the other encouragement was, is that I am with you to the very end of the age. And then he goes and tells them, hey, now go love other people along in the process. And so what happens is, is that when you start dedicating yourself to God's teaching, when you start recognizing, you start saying, well, I am ready then to start going, God, teach me more about who you are and what it is that you want me to do. One of the things that we're doing as a church is that we're starting this thing called the NT90. Again, we do it every single year. We know that it's something that it's not new, but NT90 is to read the New Testament in 90 days. And inside your program, there's a list of what you can do in just checking that off. If you're not a paper person, there's an app version for you if you just kind of go onto one of your Bible apps and you can just go ahead and just simply read God's word. And here's the great part is that I know for some, maybe you're just saying, hey, I'm not a great reader, or hey, it just seems like I'm always commuting and saying, hey, great, guess all you have to do is now you have ones that can read back. For some of you guys, the way that you guys commute an hour or two a day, you could probably go through the New Testament in like five days, <laughs> just listening to it on, on the Bible. No, you guys laugh, but I'm, I'm thinking that's a lot of hours, but guess what? When you're listening to it, it's being poured into your heart, but what comes out? And now all of a sudden, God's word becomes really, just continues to move through you and in you, and you start seeing life changes as a result. One of the greatest things that I had to do this last semester was we started a young adult small group on how to have a healthy devotional life, and we did this thing called SOAP where we just basically taught them, hey, this is how you have a devotion. And one of the, the methods that we used was scripture. You read the scripture. O is observation. You're like, hey, what does it say? A, application, how does it apply to your life? And then P, let's pray. And then every week we would come up and we'd show up and then we had an opportunity to share, hey, what was your soap this week? What stood out to you? What was it that God's doing through you? And I called it the breakfast bunch because I would try to make breakfast to incentivize young adults to come at 6.30 in the morning over to my house. It was incredible. But I'll be honest with you, when it comes time to studying God's word, it interrupts you. It may interrupt your sleep because now you have to get up earlier or stay up late. But the question is, is that are you devoted to the process and are you devoted to the apostles' teachings where they're just trying to simply point you to God's word and let him do what he does best? The third step to growth of the church was, called, was, was part of being devoted to fellowship. Now, if you know me, I love fellowship. Man, I'm telling you what, I, 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 I embrace this side of my life where I just love hanging out with people. That word fellowship is koinonia, and here's what basically it meant. It meant that there was a sharing, a willing contribution, and a participation, that when you are dedicating yourself, devoting yourself to fellowship, what you are saying is saying, hey, I am going to contribute part of my life 
to this. And when we have small groups, I, I, I took a picture of my small group, and uh, one of the things I want to do is that uh, this is not even all of them. Some of them weren't even showing up to that day, but what happened was, and I want to share this to you, and it's not about showing you like, oh my gosh, what are you doing with that small group of people? You know, but what happened was this, is when we first started our small group, when we first came here, there was two people. And first of all, I thought, I'm a small group pastor and I only have two people. This is going to look bad. I was like, I'm surprised I made it to a year and a half so far. But what I started to realize after we started semester upon semester and I was starting to meet people is I started asking them questions like, hey, are you in a small group? And believe it or not, most people were like, no. And not only that, some people said, never been in a small group before. And what I started to realize is saying, would you like to join mine on Monday night? And I started to realize that as we started meeting and talking that they were starting to build this amazing group of people. We have people that have the youngest age of children to those who have just retired. And God has brought this cool blend of people to just do life with one another. But I'll be honest with you is that sometimes it's, there's this part that part of what I believe that God is doing within that small group is that we have to start having to have these authentic sharings, meaning that, that just what Aria did when she is just sharing her testimony and saying, this is where God has taken me. And for her to be able to open up to that small group to begin to start having them love her in that process it is super important that you realize that part of your walk, part of it as the growth of the church happens, is that you need to get plugged in with a group of people. Why? It's because life happens. Life interruptions happen. And I have so many great people that text me right now, especially in this crazy phase of life. They're like, hey, you want to borrow a, a little jumper? You need a, you need a crib? I mean, it, God is doing some incredible things for this season of our lives. We had one time where we were gonna get a, a group of three people, three kids, and we had, they said we had to take out our ceiling fan. And so like we had some, one of our small group people was an electrician. He's like, oh, I'll take it off. I'll put another one on. And then the next day they say, oh yeah, uh, they, they actually went back home. You don't need it anymore. I'm like, oh man, but my small group <laughs> stepped up and they helped because they're just wanting to be a part of our lives because when we start doing authentic sharing, it's not that we just are just going and just reading the Bible. We're going, hey, how's the Bible impacted you? Or guys, I'm just broken. Or guys, this anniversary's coming up and I'm hurting. And you weep together. That God really begins to start developing that koinonia, that willing contribution. And I'll be honest with you, there's times where we do not force people to speak and that's okay too. You don't want somebody to come into a small group and then all of a sudden you're going around the circle and, how about you, Fred? <laughs> Nothing, huh? No, it's, and you don't want to call people out in those moments, but what you do want to do is you want to make sure that there is a safe place that they can be encouraged and loved along the way. And eventually, God starts doing great works and people who have never prayed before in front of a group begin to pray in front of a group scared but when they recognize it has nothing to do with whether what type of prayer it was is because they were speaking to God. And that's what you want to do when you start devoting yourself to the fellowship, that you start loving others in, in extreme ways. And the other thing that we do to really encourage it is that I also call my small group a foodie group because our foodie group, man, we just grub. And, you know, I post a, a ton of stuff on Facebook, but, like, you call a soup night, and all of a sudden you get that. You know, it's like you get vats of bowls and stuff, and people are bringing in all their best soups. But what happens is what I started realizing, it isn't necessarily always about the food, which, believe it or not, I mean, most of you are going, yeah, right, I've seen your posts. 
But what I really believe is that you can break the ice when you break the bread. And that when you have someone that's coming into your home, you're doing something what they normally do on an everyday basis, which means that you, you, you eat together and you enjoy life together and you slobber together with soup and stuff gets all over the place. But what happens is, is that people just start feeling that comfortableness of going, you know something, I hate food too. I have something in common. <laughs> and then we go into God's word and then we go into our lives and God begins to start doing some really great things from that. And something that I'm, uh, I've been blessed with this small group is that out of that small group, we probably have three or four people who are, one, they're starting other small groups right now, and others are in their process of starting small groups because God is going to do some great things. But the reality is, is that as we are beginning to build that building, are we ready? Are we ready for the people that are going to come in? Do we think that when we open those doors, could 3,000 people come to that church that opening day? And I'll tell you this, absolutely. And are we ready to receive them? Are you ready to go to all the people that you don't recognize and say, come to my small group? And we were blessed. We were blessed when we came to Tracy to have two different locations that we can host a small group. But when we were in my home in Oceanside, we used our garage. We used our little side yard. We used wherever we could because people don't care about the place. They care about you. They care about people loving them back because that is the church. And so as apostles, as they stayed consistent, people began to start being filled with awe. And you reread that there was some miraculous things that are happening. But I'm going to tell you this, church. If you're only looking for the miraculous, stop it. Just be faithful, and God does the miracles as you stay faithful and as you love him. And you see someone's life who has been grieving turn to joy and say, I'm okay. I still hurt, but I'm okay. And you start seeing people's lives begin to be changed because their life was interrupted by this most amazing person named Jesus. And so the fourth step to growth, as we're kind of on the backside now, is this, is that everyone has the same focus. You see, church, every Sunday, part of it is important as we come and listen to Pastor Mike. I, I feel like I am just another one of those participants. I'm blessed to be able to sit on this side typically, and I'll take my notes, and I, could, and I create these sermon-based small questions for our small groups. And I, and I just want to encourage you that one of the things that Pastor Mike has been really trying to get us all focused is that we need to all be in small groups. Next week, we start our kind of like our entry point where we'll be on the patio for the next few weeks. And if you are not yet in one, stop. Say, hey, what can I be a part of? If you have a small group, be out there and say, hey, come be a part of my small group. Let me tell you about the awesome people that are in my group. And what we're going to start seeing is God's going to start colliding this church together and saying, we are all on the same plan. We know that next gen is our focus. We know that in verse 44 of Acts, 20, uh, of Acts 2, it says that all the believers were together and had everything in common. And they sold their possessions and goods and they gave to anyone that had need. Why? It's because 3,000 people came and they had to all begin to start putting together all their resources to figure out how are we going to do that. It's going to require a personal investment. But one of the greatest things is that we're going to see through our next gen is when we see our campus grow and we see the church grow personally. 
and we start seeing our children grow, my prayer is that we'll start seeing students' testimonies. The one thing that Aria really didn't even get a chance to share was this, is that, that her son is actually leading a small group of kids because God poured into him, and now he's pouring into others. And that we start seeing that all of a sudden our next gen, our, our future is beginning to starting to grow. And the next side is, is that how are we going to start reaching our region? Well, one of the things that I have a heart for and I believe that God brought me to uh, Southwinds was because I love reaching the community as well. And when I see those 1,000, that future of 1,000 people in small groups, I also see 1,000 people reaching their community. And so I want you to pray about it because this is just in its infancy stage is that right now I'm in the middle of building this huge catalog of Southwinds in the community opportunities. And what is that? Basically, it's going to be a catalog that we're going to list out every single opportunity that you can be a part of in Mountain House, Tracy, and Manteca, and Lathrop, so that your small group or you as an individual can say, hey, can we go and do this? And it's going to be from active things to, hey, all I need to do is provide this with my small group. But the idea is this, that as we continue to reach our region, they need to know where we're at. They didn't need to know who we are. And then my goal is to be able to put on our website that we'll have just a little button saying, I volunteered, and then we can start seeing and celebrating everything that God begins to do. Because in Matthew 5, 16, it says, in the same way, let your shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. And so that as a church, we can say, hey, this, this week, we had 100 man hours of going out and loving our community. Maybe this month we had 1,000 people, 1,000 hours going out and participating in Mountain House and doing these things. But the idea is, is that while we're out there, people are going. And, I, and I'll tell you this happens because this happened where I came from in Oceanside. Is they'll look at you and they're going to go, why are you doing this? Because it's not normal. And when you start telling them that, listen, God is, loves me and he wants me to love other people. And they're going to go, I don't know about you yet, but I will tell you this, that over the course of years, the city of Oceanside began to ask us to participate with what they were doing, that I had an opportunity to pray with principals, teachers, counselors, because consistently we were out there in the community, and they slowly began to say, I trust you. And so church, we need to build trust in this community. And the only way we do it is by putting in this catalog and saying, this is what we're going to do. And it brings us to our last point. And the thing we're going to head home with today is this, that the other fifth step to growth was this, is that we just need to enjoy the growth. In Acts chapter 2, verse 47, it says that praising the God and enjoying the favor of all the people, the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Even greater than the 3,000, I think this is the greatest thing because this is the focus of the church now. It's not about trying to get the 3,000. It's that God's just trying to say, the Lord can add to our number daily those who begin to start this relationship with him if we begin to start taking these steps of growth. And there's this bell curve uh, picture up here, and it's a kind of a challenge, and my hope is that it's out there, is that there's, if you've ever seen a bell curve before, it kind of, I think it wasn't... Uh, it's not up there right now, but I'm going to draw it for you today. You <clears throat> Bam. All right. I'm going to draw it anyways. There's this bell curve. Oh. And really what happens is that in different, in different circles, what, what, in church planning, we would always talk about the life cycle of a church. 
And we would talk about that sometimes the question is, is that are you on the increase or are you on the decrease sometimes as a church? And I believe that God is even just really at the beginning of what he's going to be doing here at Southwinds. But the reality is, is it takes the church, and who's the church? To begin to start taking those small steps to doing what he's calling us to do, and that we're going to start seeing those added numbers come daily. And I'll be honest with you, that's just a mere step of what God's going to be doing for the future. So let's pray, and let's go ahead and celebrate the New Year's together. Father God, thank you for today. God, thank you, Lord, that you have an amazing plan for our individual lives and for this church collectively. And God, I thank you, Lord, that when we submit and and just absolutely give up what we desire, and we're willing to accept the interruptions, and we're willing to take the small steps, Lord, that eventually, Lord, we begin to start seeing what you have created the church for. And that, God, that no one will be left alone. That no matter what the people are going through in their seasons of life, that they would fully recognize, Lord, that there is a group of people that are not only praying for them, but are willing to celebrate with them, and even at times are willing to mourn with them. And so, God, we thank you for the church. We celebrate your church. And, God, we celebrate, Lord, that as you have closed off another year, Father God, We pray, Father God, that you would prepare us for this next interruption, Lord. God, we love you. And God, we thank you. And God, we pray now, Lord, that you would do your work. Thank you, Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.